Hey y'all and welcome back to the Mountain Man Podcast. I know it's been a little while since we last talked, so we're going to sit down today and have a nice long chat. One of the first things I want to do is just kind of talk about what's been going on the last few months very quickly, because I know sometimes when I do these rambles, I never shut up for 10 or 15 minutes. So we're going to do this super, super, super quick. Um, I did put out a thread on Twitter recently, and I know not everyone is on Twitter. If you are, it's at Mountain Man Pod. Um, but I just kind of wanted to catch up on what's been going on and kind of where I've been and what happened this summer. So number one, uh, I had a really busy uh, season at work, and, and that's work, and that is what it is. But I did so good that I got out of my contractor role and I earned a full-time position. So now I'm learning how to do some new work, and that's awesome. Um, and, you know, that takes up a lot of my time. I've also got two kids. That takes up a lot of my time. Uh, and also, as many of you know, I launched my own business in August, Shenandoah Shine. This is completely inspired by you, everyone who listens to this podcast and supports me and everything. I mean, you guys pushed me to this point and, and gave me the confidence to do so. So Shenandoah Shine, as I've mentioned many times, is just a lifestyle brand kind of focused on shining a light on life in the Shenandoah Valley and, and Appalachia and um, you know, we're hoping to do a lot of things there. Number one is content. That's me talking to you. That's how this all started, right? Uh, but we also have our iRacing community. We, we kept talking about iRacing on here over and over again. And we'll talk a little bit about some NASCAR stuff today. But then I got into iRacing and just out of nowhere, I've, I've created this giant community full of people. Um, and I wanted to take it and do some good with it. So over the past two months, we've raised over $1,000 for charities which is just, <laughs> it's insane. I never thought that I'd be capable of doing something like that. This whole podcast started by me sitting in a hotel on a work trip, drunk, rambling about this and that. And um, you guys have stuck with me the whole journey and I keep discovering myself and my voice and the type of content that I want to create. And I keep making connections and bringing in other people to to help me. So I just want to, number one, thank you for your patience, uh, for your support, for your guidance, just every single listener, you guys mean so much to me. Um, and that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, we were able to raise some money for the Appalachia service project, which is a charity that makes homes in Appalachia warmer, safer, and drier. I've always worked with them and I love working with them. Um, and then because of the whole, you know, the streaming on Twitch, the video game aspect, the eye racing, I was able to connect with this charity, the pediatric brain tumor foundation, Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation is a charity focused on, uh, you know, fighting childhood cancer. And uh, we were able to put on a big event on iRacing, this huge charity race. A bunch of creators were involved. And we were able to raise over $700 on that night alone. Uh, and that was awesome to be able to give back like that and also just to be able to coordinate everyone together uh, and to do that. And that's something that I always want to do. You know, I always want to prioritize giving back. And investing uh, in those around me and in, in kids and in everyone, just those who need help, let's help them. So that's awesome. And that's that's kind of what I've been up to. I've been super busy and I understand that it's taken me away from you and this podcast. Uh, but what I would like to mention is, you know, this podcast started with me just talking about all types of stuff. Who knows what I was going to be talking about? It wasn't all necessarily a mountain man thing. It was just me, Delph, rambling. And now that I'm able to stream a lot on Twitch, uh, at Booty Banjo, if you guys want to check me out, 
you know, I'm able to kind of cut loose on there, get drunk on there, be stupid on there, laugh on there, interact with people, troll, and just have a blast. And what that means is now on the Mountain Man podcast, I can really focus on Appalachia and just stuff that the Mountain Man does outside. And that's what I want to do. So today we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about deer. Hell yeah, Whitetail Nation, baby. We're going to talk about like herd management and all that stuff. Um, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about bartering, which is pretty much trading for shit instead of paying for shit. Uh, very classic lost art, may I say. <clears throat> We're also just going to talk about kind of what October is here in the Shenandoah Valley and how beautiful it is, how lucky I am to live here, and just some other PSAs. Uh, but before we jump in, I do have my first ad read. Again, I this is just crazy what I've been able to... It's just crazy what's happened. It really, it leaves me speechless. But um, we do have our first sponsor, and none other than a beef jerky company. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to start off stronger with anything else. So we're now proud to partner with Empire Jerky. You can go to empirejerky.com. I'll also tweet out some links on Twitter at Mountain Man Pod, at Shenandoah Shine, and at Delph underscore 13. Uh, but if you go to EmpireJerky.com and you use code SHINE at checkout, you'll earn yourself a discount and you will also directly support me and the Shenandoah Shine brand so that we can continue to grow and to give back. Um, I'm really excited about it. They've got a lot of flavors. If I could suggest one, it would be the Hawaiian Barbecue, but that's my favorite. And also the carne asada, but the buffalo, the teriyaki, uh, the dragon's breath, the mango habanero, everything else they have is solid. I just, I have my favorites. It's all good stuff. It's very tender. And you know damn well I wouldn't endorse it if I didn't think it was great. So go to empirejerky.com and use code SHINE. Get yourself some beef jerky. And also one last thing about charities. I said I was going to ramble for 10 minutes. We're going to try to cap it at 7 if I can hurry up. Uh, you know, the next charity I'm looking to work with, and if anyone wants to give suggestions, is I want to uh, get toys for kids this Christmas. That's something I really want to do. So if anyone wants to reach out with any suggestions for that, I'm totally open. Um, if not, I'm probably going to keep it pretty local. But anyway, let's jump into this podcast and let's talk about some mountain man shit, shall we? Number one, let's talk about some deer. As you guys know, I moved to my new home little over a year ago, uh, I'm literally living on the side of one of the Blue Ridge Mountains right here in Appalachia in the Shenandoah Valley. Um, this is why I've been arguing with people on Twitter recently about John Denver's song Country Roads and its origin because all these West Virginia fans try to gatekeep this song like it's about them, and it's not. It's really not. And I'm not going to get all into that because that's its own episode. I will, I will create an entire episode about why Country Roads is not about West Virginia. As a man that literally lives on a Blue Ridge Mountain, half a mile from the Shenandoah River, in the Shenandoah Valley, don't come at me about Country Roads. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anyway, um, it's just beautiful out here, and I've been living here for a little bit over a year. And I've been working on a lot of stuff around the house outside that has also taken up a bunch of my time. Uh, you know, the house wasn't well taken care of. Nobody had lived here at all yet. It's it's a newer home, but nobody ever lived here. And the yard was a wreck. And I had to get to work. Um, but being surrounded by the woods and being so close to the river with 
lots of corn fields and soybean fields and luscious farmland, but then right next to the Shenandoah National Park, full of wildlife that no one is allowed to hunt on that property, uh, I figured, hey, I've got a solid spot to get to hunting. And I do. Um, but it was going to take some work. There weren't many deer coming through. At first, I thought, you know, it's because this guy doesn't really have a good food source for them. There's not a lot for them to do. Yeah, there's a bunch of acorns, but where are they going to eat? Are they going to go all the way down and cross the road and get into the cornfields or what? Um, so the first thing I did is I had this about a half acre uh, that's cleared kind of back behind my house. Well, it, it, I cleared it. The guy had let everything grown up on top of it. I'm talking mini oak trees, just all types of brush and nasty stuff. It it looked like a jungle. And I spent a couple months kind of clearing it out. I think we might have talked about that. Um, Just getting a bunch of stuff out of there and and trying to really get rid of it. And I planted some clover in the spring. The clover did okay. uh, But the thing about clover is, you know, it's a pretty thin stem. It's, It's a pretty thin plant. So it's really easy for other other greens to get involved if that makes sense so I had a lot of weeds amidst my clover so uh, this summer late summer before the fall I got back involved and uh, did some more work out there in that clearing planted some rye and some oats to mix in with the clover and I've got a really solid crop going uh, that deer love to eat so they can come in and eat throughout the winter when they can't find a food source and can go back out and do what they need to do um, just to kind of give them another option, you know, if they want to. Then we've also planted some fruit trees. We've got some apple trees, some pears, some peaches. Uh, you know, they're not doing much right now other than giving them leaves to eat, as I see them on camera eating leaves all the time. <laughs> but down the road, the goal is for all of those fruit trees to grow and mature, and they're going to kind of create a barrier between my house and this area, this meadow, this the grove is what I call it, where I want the deer to feel safe and to be able to come and hang out and eat and not stress about me opening the door to go outside or my dogs or anything. Um, so that's the first goal of herd management is, is making them want to be near and uh, feel like they can constantly come here for this and that. So that's a big deal. So last year, you know, we really didn't have many deer on camera at all. I, I saw one doe on camera the whole year. Uh, then there was one afternoon that I was out walking the woods, and I walked up on a four-pointer. Uh, he wasn't the brightest. <laughs> uh, he just kind of, he, he noticed me, and he just kept walking. Usually bucks don't do that. So I thought, hey, there's no way that this guy's going to survive very long. Uh, but he's back. He's around. He's here now. He's got six points. Got a beautiful symmetrical rack. I've got him on camera. Uh, we'll share that picture probably on Instagram and Twitter, both the same handle at Mountain Man Pod. Um, he's a good looking deer. He's very tall. He's very strong. He's very long. He's not too thick yet. He doesn't have a big neck. He's a very young deer. And this is where herd management becomes important. Um, you know, the thing about herd management isn't to stack your deer or to do this, it's to have a healthy herd of deer that can naturally produce um, more nice, healthy deer. And so the, the, the point of that is to make sure you don't get too overrun with old does, to make sure you don't have uh, too many, you know, big bucks fighting over each other and territories and this and that. Um, but also just to make sure that 
you're taking care and if there's any disease or or uh, genetic deformities that are sneaking into this herd <clears throat> excuse me you want to try to get those deer out of your gene pool as well herd management is a really big thing that i'm not even an expert on uh, i'd love to talk to an expert to get them on here and kind of teach you guys a little bit more about it so uh anyway so yeah he's back but mostly what i had was a lot of bears and, and we all know the Delphs been at war with the Bears for a long time now. It's it's been awful, and um, they've been tearing my trash up, tearing my house up, carrying stuff all here and there, and I've got all types of plastic and trash all in the woods from these bears just wreaking havoc all the time. I've shot warning shots; they don't leave. I've done this and that. Finally, they my, they don't fuck with my dogs. <laughs> My dogs scare them. My dogs will run them off. My tiny little dogs can run off these big black bears. Um, so that's kind of been what we've had to do for a little while because I haven't been able to get rid of them. And uh, I was wondering, you know, maybe if the bears being so prevalent and, and eating, they don't eat everything that a deer will eat, but they eat more than a deer would eat. So maybe they're suppressing a deer's food source or this or that. You know, I, I just was... A little worried that maybe the bears had something to do with it. Um, the good news is a lot of those bears seem to be gone. Knock on wood. I, I haven't seen them in a long time. Uh, usually by this time of year, they, they'd be around. I'd see them on camera messing with my stuff and so on, but they haven't. The last time I have a bear on camera was probably in June, maybe May. Um, other than that, they haven't been back. They haven't bothered me think we mentioned this on a previous episode the mange that dogs can get the bears can also get the mange and it, it hit them really hard in my area there were a lot of bald just naked no fur bears and um that is really sad you know um but i think that that naturally had an effect on kind of reducing that overpopulated bear population and um i haven't seen a lot of them so we'll see we'll see if we see any more i'll probably still hunt bear this year as well um, I know a lot of people love bears and so I, I just want to jump in here and really just make sure everyone knows that I am not a trophy hunter. Um, we are very sustainable here and I think that's the mountain, mountain, mountain man way to do things. Uh, we don't, we don't hunt for trophies. Um, I'm going to talk about deer here in like two minutes. Uh, I'm, it's a doe that I want to get this year so I can really fill my freezer up. As far as hunting a bear, it's nothing for sport. It's totally, uh, be all sustainable. Um, a lot of that bear gets used. It's a very greasy, fatty animal, but you can still eat it, do a lot with it, do a lot with the hide and so on. So, um, I just want to make that clear. I'm sure everyone knew that, but I want everyone to know that you're not going to find me in Africa hunting giraffes or lions or any of that shit. Um, that, that's not me. I'm not, not a sport guy at all. We hunt to provide for a family. That's the mountain man way. And it always will be, uh, around here. Now, going back over to deer, so like I mentioned, we really didn't have a lot coming around. And another picture that I'm going to throw up on on social media is we now have about up to six deer at a time coming in and hanging out on camera, eating, grazing, doing their thing. Um, I've got little baby does that are just born this year. We've got really old does. There's this fat fucking, fat fucking bitch of a doe. Oh my gosh, this bitch is thick. (laughs) It's a thick ass doe. Uh, and, um, she's going to get got this year if I get a chance. Cause that, that's going to fill up the freezer real good. I'm talking all types of burger and sausage backstrap, all types of things. 
That's who's on my radar. I'm not after this six-pointer because back to herd management, if I continue to let the six-pointer survive and thrive and grow, uh, multiple things are going to happen. One, as he matures, he will become a very nice buck. And a very nice buck provides a lot of meat, a mount on the wall if I'd like. Um, you know, I'm not going for trophy and only hunting big bucks only. That That's not me. I'm, I'm hunting to provide. And I think the thrill of a hunt is being able to get that large, dominant animal that is elusive. The older a buck gets, uh, they're surviving because they're elusive. So it really adds a thrill, a challenge to the hunt. Um, and I feel like some of you listening know exactly what I'm saying if you, if you hunt a lot. And, and others, uh, it may sound like a foreign language. Maybe it's up to me to translate a little bit better. Um, so let's talk about that. So we have this really nice buck now who's been around for a whole year that we've been here. He's survived. He's a very perfectly symmetrical rack. Um, he's got two very tall tines on the outside. He's got a nice curl, nice and wide. He's got two very nice brow tines. His entire rack is symmetrical. And this is where herd management comes into play. You know, I want him to stay alive, not only so maybe I can see him in a year or two when he's a massive 10-point buck um, that might score pretty well, but I also want him breeding with the does in the herd because I see a very nice, healthy, strong, tall buck with a very symmetrical rack. He's very healthy. He looks very good. So herd management is where I keep him around for as long as I can to continue to breed with all the does that are around. So he's out back running around with five does, right? If he gets all five of them pregnant, they're going to have five babies. Let's say they have two bucks and three does. Those two bucks are much more likely to be strong, healthy, big bucks that can then continue to breed. Any does that are born are going to be healthy, um, strong does that can survive and and bear good children as well. So... (laughs) I don't know. Children sounds kind of weird. Let's not go with children. Fawns. Okay. Um, but that's kind of the point is keeping alive the good deer for as long as you can so they can continue to breed. And then you have a natural way of herd management. We have a very strong gene pool. Um, and then on the flip side of that, so there's also a buck that is wandering around right now. And I'm still kind of trying to figure him out. He's only got one antler. And it's just a spike. I call him Unicorn. He's literally a one-pointer. His left antler, it's pretty tall. That's all he's got. His right one's missing. Now, this can mean a couple of different things. So, the first thing you think is, okay, this dude's fucked up. He's a weird-looking one. I don't want him breeding with the deer that I have. They're going to produce all kinds of ugly-ass, sick-ass stuff. And I don't want that. That's that's the first conclusion that you can jump to pretty easily. Um, Sometimes... Bucks just have bad genes or deformities, and um, they have antlers growing out of all these weird places and all types of stuff going on with them. Their teeth are messed up. They're crooked. Their jaws are offset, whatever it is. You can tell when a deer just doesn't have uh, good genes. So with this guy, though, that's, that's the first conclusion that you jump to. However, what you have to think about is, okay, I also see this nice six-point strong buck who's definitely kind of the alpha buck in this territory. Maybe him and this spike uh, have have sparred from time to time. Maybe they're fighting. Uh, the bucks will tangle up their antlers and go back and forth, kind of like bighorn sheep and goats and stuff, to 
fight for dominance or this or that or even just to play not play but you know it's it it's wrestling and it's possible that when the two of them got into it the bigger buck could have broke off the smaller buck's antler it's very possible so it's up to me to continue to watch this spike this unicorn um and and see if he really is messed up if he really is sick or maybe he's a strong healthy deer that just lost one of his antlers to the big buck so i need to continue to watch him on on trail cams maybe i'll see him when i'm out in the woods just to kind of make sure that maybe there isn't anything wrong with him maybe he just uh lost a fight it can happen uh, it can happen it's like a black eye in a way you know, you could have a black eye because you lost a fight, but that doesn't mean you're a bad fighter. If that makes sense. Sometimes you just go up against, uh, you. sometimes you meet your match. Sometimes you just, you meet your match. And the other reason I think that I don't want to jump to a conclusion with this guy is, you know, he's spent, uh, when he is on camera, he's with the big buck. It's just the two of them when I see unicorns. So, I don't know. Bucks kind of hang out together sometimes until rut or whatever hits and then they kind of don't mess with each other but um i have not seen unicorn hanging out with the does so the goal is when rut gets going here any week now uh that the big boy buck when he's chasing tail i'm gonna try to not be too vulgar because my wife (laughs) i'm gonna be vulgar for a joke but i'm not gonna continue to be vulgar uh the other day The other day, my wife uh, got mad at me because I was talking about this buck chasing pussy. And she's like, that's gross. That's vulgar. So we're we're just going to say chasing tail, I guess. Whatever will be appropriate. Dude's out here chasing hoes and does. You know, it, it's, it's not a coincidence that hoes and does rhyme. It's not. Not a coincidence. I just want to put that out there. But anyway, uh, you know. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. It's it's nice to see all these does hanging out and coming in together at night. It's nice to see the big buck with them. One problem I'm gonna have, and, and you know I'm not even going for the big buck this year. Is he's a morning feeder when he when he's around, and I have to walk through this grove to get to my stand. I'm gonna jump him every time. So I've really got to think that one through. But we're not gonna worry about that until next year, because like I said, we're gonna manage this herd. And try to keep him around for as long as we can. Uh, that's going to be our goal. So if anyone else uh, has any advice for herd management or whitetail hunting that they want to throw my way, please do. You can get me on social media. You can also send an email to mountainmanpod at gmail.com. Uh, and this goes for anything. You guys can message me about anything. You can ask me any questions. It's happened before. People have DM'd me, emailed me, asking questions or my opinion on things. Uh, and you guys are absolutely more than welcome to do so. And it is encouraged because it helps me create more content. I don't have to wait for something to happen in my life. I can talk to you guys about anything. Sorry, needed some water. All right, moving on. I want to talk about, uh, another type of management, woods management, tree management, timber management. Uh, And we're not going to address anything about the wildfires or anything like that. I try to very hard to not stay political on here. Um, uh, You know, a lot of the stuff that happens with wildfires, there's a lot of factors involved. And um, proper timber 
management, proper forest management goes a long way in preventing wildfires. So we're just going to talk about our forest right here where I live and uh, what I'm doing to deal with it. So um, I've got two different things going on. I've got a lot of trees that were already uh, on the ground when I got here that had fallen in a storm or this or that over time. And uh, they are taking up, they, they can impede my view when I'm in the woods, but they can also deter, excuse me, they can deter uh, the deer from walking through a certain way if, if they think, okay, there's a tree in my way, I'm not going that way. So I need to get rid of some of those. And also I have a couple really big, thick, strong oaks around the house that are very valuable, um, where a lot of a lot of folks would be really interested in those. So um, I don't own a chainsaw. So what I've been trying to do is find someone on Facebook that might want to come in and, and get some of this timber. Um, it's tough. You know, I wanted to barter. I wasn't going to pay somebody to come take my nice oak trees because I know how much money they can make from them. I know that there's labor involved in them getting them, but I know that they're going to make money selling all that wood. And I'm not going to get any of it. It's right here on my property. This is where bartering comes into play. So I put a Facebook post out there saying, hey, if anyone's willing to trade their labor for timber, you can have all of these trees here. And if you come over and look, I'll show them all. And a couple people came out and looked, and they didn't want to do it for free, or they didn't want this one, or this tree was too much of a hassle. Uh, and, you know, that's fine. It's fine. Um, that, that that's That's totally fine, and that's part of it. But eventually I found a guy... And, and this is someone that I was really looking for. Uh, you know, I finally found a guy that um, was really just trying to make a dollar. He's, he's he, You can tell he's a hard worker, and uh, he really just wants to make a dollar. He wears a shirt, like one of the neon, you know, yellow, green ones that a lot of blue-collar guys wear to be safe. And he has his own little side business. Uh, I forget his, his last name. I also don't really even want to put it out there, but... Uh, it's his last name and then it says side jobs or something like that, odd jobs or something like that. And I think that's awesome. I think that really incarnates what the mountain man mentality is. Uh, he lives not far from me, lives in the same, not in the same holler. He's a couple hollers over. He's up against the mountains like me. And he's just out here in the County local looking for work, looking for ways that he can use his hands and his time to make some money on the side. And I Love that. That is what I am all about, always. That's how I am, too. I just don't have a chainsaw to do it. So he came by, and he looked at all these trees, and he was just so excited. Um, offered to take down all of my down trees as well. And, you know, what he's going to do is he's going to come over. He's going to take what he wants, and he's going to go sell it as firewood or, or slabs or whatever it may be. Um, and it's at no cost to me at all. And that's what's so cool about bartering is two people can get what they want, uh, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's awesome. Bartering's awesome. So anyway, uh, one thing that sucks though is I told him there wasn't really a rush and, uh, I haven't seen him in a couple weeks. <laughs> he came by a couple weeks ago to look at one big oak, showing it to another guy that might be interested in it. So I think now he's like acting as his general contractor, trying to find a buyer for some of these trees before he takes them down. Which, again, is cool with me because he's doing it for free. Um, but, you know, it's tough to complain about free shit. I want to sit here and say, man, I wish this guy was done already. I need to get some of these trees gone. 
Um, we're planning on going solar with our house and putting some solar panels on our roof. And uh, a lot of these trees are on the south side of our house and, and block a lot of the sunlight. So I, I need them gone. Uh, but again, I don't want to rush somebody who's doing something free of charge to me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's pretty ungrateful. Um, it's fucking ornery, to be honest. And uh, that's not me. So I'm not complaining at all. Uh, rather, I'm just telling you guys how cool it is that uh, you can get people to barter and to do things and trade their labor for this and that. And uh, that's huge. Uh, growing up, uh, we used to have people come and help with hay just so they could have a cut of the hay when we were done. Uh, it, you know, like load all these trailers and then we'll load a trailer for you. And I think that's a really neat thing that a lot of people probably don't understand because, <laughs> not to get all old crazy man on y'all, but, you know, these days you can walk into a store, you can hold your phone up to the the credit card pad or whatever, and it's just, it's click, beep, I'm gone, I got whatever I wanted, I bought all this digital currency, you know, and <clears throat> let me be clear, I'm not going on some rant about, oh, the dollar, cash gold like no <laughs> not doing that i'm just saying you know it's 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 crazy how much the world develops and how much life goes on and and the things that we can do i have a card that you tap which is really cool um but to still you know go back to your roots every now and then and and trade and barter bartering is so cool man uh growing up my brother, my little brother, won a won a hog, won a pig at a pig scramble at the fair. So if, <laughs> nobody knows what a pig scramble is. You should totally YouTube it. But they basically grease up a bunch of pigs, let them run around, and they make a bunch of kids chase them. You have to catch the pig, and then you got to put it in a bag, and you win the pig. Uh, if that ain't some of the most redneck shit you've ever heard, man, I got a lot for you, but... Uh, so my brother won this pig at, at the pig scramble, brought it home, and uh, we didn't really have a use for it. We didn't really have a place for it because pigs will tear your shit all up. So uh, we got to bartering. What can we trade this pig for? You know? Um, so we ended up trading this pig for a quarter horse, which it, it, saying now, like looking back and even saying that out loud, is kind of crazy. Uh, super crazy that that... That's crazy. That <laughs> those things don't share the same value at all. Think of a horse like a used car. Usually about the same price. But anyway, we got this quarter horse. Uh awesome quarter horse. Um we then traded that quarter horse for some for two firearms, two guns. Uh so that was cool. Uh then we traded those two guns for I think like a ton of fencing, fence boards and fence posts and all that. And then we ended up trading all of that for two horses. We ended up with two horses from that one. Um and we either sold them, I don't know what happened to those horses, but it's just crazy how you can work your way up. And I think there used to be a show on TV where these guys would start with something in their warehouse, set a goal and trade up to it. Uh, bartering really is a really cool thing. A lot of people do it. There's probably people that do it on YouTube. Um, you guys should check it out. If there's something that you want to buy and you can't, sometimes it's not that easy to sell what you have, take that cash and go buy what you want. Sometimes you can get more for your buck because there's someone who wants what you have and it might have more value that way. 
Uh, bartering can be a big deal, and you guys should all check it out. Learn how to do it. I like to barter. Uh, I don't have. I'm not the best barter. I don't have a lot of resources to do so yet. But maybe one day I can really get into bartering. That'd be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, because living out here where I do, I got a lot of things outside that I need to do. I don't exactly have all the resources that I need. I need a chainsaw. I need a tractor. Um, I really, uh, really, I just need like a skid steer for like a weekend. That'd be nice. If anyone out here is close to the Shenandoah Valley, close to Virginia, and they want to loan me a skid steer or charge me, I will pay to rent it. If it, it just please, <laughs> I need a skid steer. I need to go outside and fuck some shit up. Got to redo all my drainage, the way the yard is, the way the water runs off the mountain. I got all types of stuff to do. That's a whole other story. Whole other story, man. Um, But, you know, I I love where I live. I love the Shenandoah Valley. I love it, especially this time of year, October, fall. It is just beautiful. Uh, It's so beautiful that all these transplants that work in Washington, D.C. and Northern Virginia and Maryland drive out here to the country to see the leaves because it's fall and they want to get off an Instagram. And I'm not being hateful, okay? It's kind of xenophobic, not like full-on xenophobia, but to be like, oh, you can't come to where I live to look at the beauty of this place. Fuck out of here. Sometimes I think it, and I'll tell you when I think it. I was trying to cross the mountain the other day to go buy something from Tractor Supply, and I was in standstill traffic going up the mountain. And you know why it was standstill traffic? It wasn't an accident. It was a line of fuckers trying to get up into the Shenandoah National Park on Skyline Drive to go look at the leaves. The leaves are changing. Let's leave Let's leave our $650,000 one-bedroom condo and go look at leaves for the weekend. And like, okay, it's beautiful out here, but now you're creating traffic and problems for us locals. They're very disrespectful. They don't spend their money here. They don't go into our businesses because they think less of us. They, they really think less of us, and it's really frustrating. It really is. Um, then you get up on Skyline Drive, and then they're all sitting in standstill traffic back-to-back there too. And they want to get on social media and complain, oh, man, I'm up here trying to go on a pretty drive, and can't even, I can't even move. Well, no shit. It's because there's hundreds of thousands of you that there's no room for coming out and doing stuff like that. So... It's just kind of frustrating because, you know, no one really gives a shit about us until they want to use us. And I think that's the case for a lot of things in life. And whenever that happens, it really pisses you off. You know, I'm, I'm happy that people find beauty in where I live. I'm happy that people love this area and that this area even has a, a reputation and popularity for what it has and what it contains. But it's really frustrating when I need to not get going get get going on this i'm sorry it's just frustrating when people from dc come out here and act like they're better than everybody like we're disgusting stupid and bread rednecks and then try to take in our scenery and take advantage of where we live and the dumb fucks don't realize that we live here because it's beautiful and it's one of the most beautiful places in this country and we're blessed to live here and we want to live here um it's just really annoying you know that any other month out of the year They'd be on their phones in their nice condo with a fucking Trader Joe's or Whole Foods and 
Starbucks and an Orange Theory on the first level of their condo building where they don't even have to leave their fucking building to go get groceries. They can just walk downstairs and get them or food or coffee or whatever it is. And then they go back up and they get on Twitter and they complain about these these inbreds, these rednecks, this white trash, this and that. And then that weekend they're going to hop in their, their BMW or Prius and drive out here and look at our leaves and then judge all the trailers that they pass on the way. Judge all the messy yards. Judge the unkept guy who's in the store or the lady that works at the gas station or this restaurant or make fun of their draws or the accents. And it just really pisses me off. I'm sorry. I I just said 10 times I wasn't going to go on about it, but here I am. It's just annoying. It's annoying to, to sit and have such a comfortable lifestyle with all this access to everything and have such an easy life and uh, just sit there and think that your opinion is more valid than others and that you think that you can run the world and change the world and fix poverty that's that's less than an hour from where you live. Uh, they, they get on there and they talk about this and that and they drive an hour to the holler to the mountains to look at some fucking yellow, orange, and red leaves once a year and then get on Twitter or Facebook and talk shit about all the people that they see or people that they pass. Uh, they're so People in Appalachia are so forgotten. They're just so forgotten, and it's just really frustrating that we're available when you want us, and that's it. It's so annoying. I I can only imagine if some of the people that came out here from D.C. to do all this stuff, if they had to drive 20 minutes to go to a grocery store where you can't even get half of the fruit and vegetables that you want to get or the brands that you might want or the food or this. And I'm not trying to be the exact opposite and make kombucha and granola jokes and all that shit because I'm not but you know I know that there are people that live in DC or Arlington outside of DC in Northern Virginia that can literally walk downstairs in their apartment building and go to a Whole Foods, Starbucks, Orange Theory Fitness, some restaurant, this or that, not even have to go outside. Meanwhile if I want fucking McDonald's I have to drive 15 minutes I can't get food even delivered to my house. I can't tell you how far away the closest Starbucks is or any of that shit. But everyone else wants to sit on there and act like they know everything because they live in their precious little bubble where life isn't that hard. The hardest thing that happened is the person that they met at happy hour last week quit texting them back and now they see them on social media hanging out and doing something else. They have no idea. They have no idea... What really goes on in between the coasts? They don't. It, it's the disconnect is just unbelievable. And I, I was supposed to sit here and talk about how beautiful it is in the Shenandoah Valley this time of year, and now I've just rambled about elitist assholes. But I mean, that really is the truth of the matter. They only care about us when when we can help them, and that's it. And that's fucked up. Um, and if you, if you live in a, I know a lot of people that listen, live in big metropolitan areas. I'm not shitting on you at all. You wouldn't listen to this podcast if you didn't give a shit about people. You're either trying to learn or you think I'm funny or whatever it is. I appreciate you. Um, but there are a lot of people that don't give two shits about me, about my neighbor or anything. Uh, and that's really frustrating. It's really frustrating to get on the internet or the news at any given day and see what people think that they know about us. And uh, that's one of the reasons that I even started Shenandoah Shine is the, to shine a positive light on this area and to show what we're really capable of and what we do. Um, because 
uh, all these other people just think that they know everything and they don't. They don't. Um, and I'm not one to sit there and be like, oh, you got to come out here and learn how to milk a cow, learn how to chop down a tree, learn how to do this, learn how to do that. I, I don't. I think, you know, we're never all going to live the exact same lifestyle and we shouldn't. It would really ruin a lot of things. I think everyone having their own cultures and subcultures is super important. But to get on a high horse and act like you're so friendly and tolerant of all this and all that and then specifically target certain subcultures and just shit on them all the time is just really fucking annoying. Because, nah, I'll just stop. I'm not going to go on a whole farmer rant too. And I'm sorry for ranting anyway. I just I feel really passionate about... Appalachia and the people that are from here and they are very forgotten they're very forgotten I, I I don't know how to hammer home that point anymore I see kids six-year-olds going to zoom going to school on zoom and and the teachers asking where their parents are and they say oh they're asleep and you look in the back and, and mom's totally passed out on heroin with her mouth open on the couch just out and I just, you know, I know these kids aren't eating because they're not in school right now because they're all home because of COVID. They're not getting food. Some of these kids only eat when they go to school every day. I'm getting so fired up. I got tears in my eyes. This shit pisses me off. I'm really passionate about it. And that's why I want to take my platform and help. Uh, that's my goal here. Sorry. Let me... Quit fucking ranting. Also, while I'm at it, wear your fucking seatbelt when you're driving. That's all I got to say about that one. Wear your damn seatbelt. Fucking wear it. It's not that hard. I don't care if you're uncomfortable. You could save your life. Seriously. (sighs) Anyway, uh, before we get done, let's just talk a little bit about NASCAR. And the only reason I want to do that is someone asked a question. I think it was Bizgard a few weeks ago, actually. Um, about NASCAR and there's been a lot going on in the news so I just want to jump on that real quick and just give my thoughts again and at this point I don't give a shit because I just ranted about DC Elitist for 10 minutes so who fucking cares anyway if you're still listening let's fucking go um, first off Brian did ask what I thought about Bubba Wallace's move to the new racing team that's going to be owned by Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan uh, my, first, my first opinion is that it's awesome I think that's huge to get Michael Jordan involved in the sport. Um, you know, I think NASCAR has a stereotype about it, especially before this year and uh, in general. And I think that it's going to be really hard to fight that stereotype and to show what NASCAR really is. And I think getting someone like Michael Jordan involved, working directly with Bubba Wallace, is something that can really help. I think it's a huge bridge that can be built. These bridges have already been being built. That's the right English um, for quite some time. And I think that there is another level that we can hit to get there. And I'm really hoping that uh, Michael Jordan coming in can, can help with this. You know, up until this point, really one of the only uh, black men involved in NASCAR from an ownership standpoint is Brad Doherty. And, um, you know, he's also on TV broadcasting and stuff too. So it's huge. And then we've got Bubba Wallace and now we've got uh, Jordan involved. So I think it's really awesome. I really do. Uh, you know, Bubba really is a pretty inconsistent driver. Um, people talk a lot of shit about Bubba. He, he he does make some mistakes in races, but I do like him. Uh, I think he faces a lot of adversity, and I like the way he carries himself. I don't think 
you know, being in the 43 is the best race car you can be in historically, other than Richard Petty, of course, now that he owns the 43, those drivers don't really do that well in that car. Uh, so I think getting with someone like Denny Hamlin, who is a huge driver, very successful, one of the last guys who just came onto the scene and immediately made an impact uh, when he started all those years ago, I think that that's huge. Uh, that he can be involved and mentor Bubba while still racing and have those resources. I think Denny is partnered, you know, driving for Joe Gibbs. Uh, they're going to have a bunch of resources from building a race car standpoint as far as getting their uh, setups the same, the engines that they're using and so on, the chassis. That's a big deal. Um, but also the marketing aspect. I think having Michael Jordan involved, I'm sure they're going to be driving the number 23 car. That's going to be huge for NASCAR. That's going to be huge for Bubba. I think when people see a 23 Michael Jordan car, there might be people that have never watched NASCAR before that might be more so inclined to do so. Um, and so I think that is awesome for the sport. It's a huge opportunity. I really do hope that Bubba can be successful in this car. Um, he gets a lot of hate uh, for all types of reasons, some of which are just absolutely stupid. But, you know, sometimes his driving doesn't really... Uh, help him. Sometimes he's not a good driver. He's wrecked people. He's made mistakes. All drivers do. But uh, I'm hoping, me, Delph, I'm hoping that this new race car, this new team, this new everything can can help him be better because I think he has good potential. I just think he needed a good race car to do so. So I am excited. So thanks for asking me that. Um, and also, you know, there's a few other free agency moves that have been going on. Jimmy Johnson's retiring. What does this mean for Hendrick Motorsports? They've got a car that's open. Alex Bowman switches to the 48, leaving the 88 open. Are they going to fill the 88? Are they going to use the 5, the 57, the 25? I don't know. Who's going to be the fourth Hendrick driver? Uh, I really think it's going to be Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson just got announced yesterday that he has been reinstated. Um, as many of you know, Larson was suspended back in the spring. Uh, for using the N-word in an iRacing event on a live mic. And a lot of people were angry, and they should have been. I was angry too. Larson is a very good race car driver with all types of potential for what he can do. Um, and he made a very big mistake. And uh, he's been through a lot the last few months. And I think there are a lot of high-profile celebrities and athletes that when they get in trouble, they're not sorry that they did it. They're sorry that they got caught. But I truly do feel that Kyle Larson is very sorry that he did it. Um, I think that he, like many other uh, just privileged boys that I'm not you I, I know some people probably hate that word, but let's be honest. Like there are a lot of guys that grew up playing video games or this or that that don't realize what that word means. They don't realize the history of that word and what it carries, and it's serious. And um, I think that he has done a lot of learning over the last few months about it and lots of conversations with lots of people, lots of reconciliation. I think he still has a long way to go. And NASCAR has mentioned that he's going to have to continue to do a bunch of this stuff over the next few years. But with all of that, uh, Kyle Larson getting back into NASCAR can, can do more positivity, can do, uh, what's the word here, can just do so much more good than he did bad. He can repair so much more than any damage he ever did because I think seeing the person who, who did screw up, who did do wrong, and seeing him grow as a human, seeing him learn, seeing him develop, 
is a good thing because now he can take his platform, take his voice, and educate so many others on where they're wrong. And maybe they can go on that same journey that he went. So I am excited that Kyle Larson is back. I do believe his his apologies. I do think he's sincere. I do think that it's okay for people to not be okay with it. I think it's okay for people to be hesitant as well. I think that's all fair. Um, But I'm excited for him to be back because I think that he can take this platform and do even more good for NASCAR. Uh, You know, every argument I've ever been in with people about NASCAR is just it's a bunch of rednecks, drunk rednecks turning left and this and that. And I think this year has been huge for NASCAR. It's been polarizing. And I look at TV ratings and, you know, everyone's down this year, year over year from COVID, not NASCAR. They've, they've, they've fallen 1%. The NFL is like, uh, I don't know the exact number, but if you look at all of these sports, all these sporting events in a list, the PGA grew, the WNBA finals grew, and then third was NASCAR with a 1% loss. Everyone else is just double digits of their viewing going down. Excuse me. So I think NASCAR is, is really in a spotlight of a lot of people right now. They've, they've gotten a lot of new eyes, a lot of new media attention. Um, I'm sure there's lots of dumbass rednecks that are like, oh, I'm, I, I, I'm never going to watch NASCAR again. First off, yes, you are, you stupid shit. <laughs> and second off, no one cares because we don't want you in the sport anyway if, if you're a hateful-ass person like that. Um, and I just want to make that clear. I, I think NASCAR can can be can survive and can be a really good league, and I'm hoping that it can lead a lot of change. You know, NASCAR reaches out to a lot of America that might not be as well educated on some things as others. And I'm hoping that people like Kyle Larson can use that platform to educate people and to help them learn more and to help them understand kind of all the shit that's going on. Um, and if anything I've said today offends you or bugs you or hurts your feelings, then you've, you've got a problem <laughs> because I'm not taking any type of polarizing stance at all. I'm not. I'm not saying anything ridiculous or polarizing or super out there or very firm. I'm not. I'm, I'm saying that there is a lot of learning to be done by a lot of people in our society and in our country. And I'm tired of everyone constantly being at arms. It's hopefully that we can come closer and closer together because I feel like we're more apart than we have been in my lifetime, at least. And it makes me really sad. It makes me really sad, and I think uh, a lot of people don't realize that um, what we really, what a lot of us all have in common is is being poor, or uh, more so than anything else. And I think, not to get on a rant again, but just real quickly, that people realize, uh, people in the ruling class or the rich realize that if the poor get along and unify, that they greatly outnumber them. And so in the meantime, they have to continue to turn us against each other. So I'm hoping that NASCAR uh, can, can, I know it sounds crazy, it's not their responsibility, but I'm hoping that some NASCAR drivers can help bridge that gap. I think there's a lot of potential there, and I'd love to see it. Uh, If anyone has any questions or anything to say about anything that I've said today, please reach out to me. I'd love to discuss with you further. If you want to come on and talk, maybe we could do that too, but... I just want to get that out there. Um, I know I haven't talked to you guys in a while and ended up kind of going all over the place bitching about this and that today. Um, 
but just just take that as an Appalachian speaking from his heart, okay? Uh, you know, we're definitely, it, a lot of people around here have forgotten. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am not oppressed. I, I don't struggle. I don't, we don't have a, you know, every person, every family has difficulties, has stress, financial stress, all this stuff. We all have it. All of us. Um, but everyone wants to sit and argue about who's who's struggling more. And at the end of the day, we should be coming together and say, hey, I'm struggling too. How can I help you? And, and that's what I want to do. Um, yeah, I'm in Appalachia, but I'm not struggling like some of my neighbors are. I'm employed. I have a job. I don't have an opioid addiction. I haven't had tragic loss to any of my family members. I don't have anyone that's medically challenged it takes a lot of my time or anything I have someone that can take care of my kids while I work during the day my wife can work um you know for all intents and purposes I am very blessed I'm very well off and so I want to take my platform to help those in Appalachia around me and to speak up for them and to shine a light to show what really lives here the the heartbeat of Appalachia you know people come here in October and they look at all these pretty leaves outside and it's beautiful I'm looking out my window right now it is just so beautiful out here and I want people to realize that the people of Appalachia are equally as beautiful the the the, the music the bluegrass that has been born from Appalachia that is now starting to make it in the mainstream and 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 be influenced in other genres of music the food the the this everything i i don't want to keep rambling i just i want to use my platform to make a difference in the Shenandoah valley or appalachia in some way or another and that may take me years i may never even achieve that goal but that is always going to be my goal and i want to make that clear if anyone has a problem with that you are welcome to pull up and let me know um but <laughs> Yeah, we can, we can, we can talk about it. Uh, other than that, you know, I really just, if anyone wants to help, if anyone wants to help me coordinate, find other charities that we can give to, uh, this Shenandoah Shine stuff has just completely taken off on me so much faster than I thought I would. And I'm just holding on for dear life, trying to keep up with it. And never in my life did I think that I could raise over a thousand dollars for charity in a month. Uh, I, I never, I never imagined that when I started this podcast or anything. So just seeing something like that, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not taking that and being like, Oh, I did it. I made it. Good job. Like I'm taking that and I'm like, wow, I can do this. I bet we can do even more. I, I bet we could even, we can give more, we can raise more, we can help more. Um, so that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. I want to take this platform. I want to take my community and, and help. I want to go right out of my backyard and just help people. So anyone that listens to this podcast that's in Appalachia or in a forgotten small town somewhere and you have a family or a charity that, that you think that we could help with, reach out to me, please. Um, I just want to help wherever we can. And I want to really just speak for the people of Appalachia. So uh, we're going to wrap up this episode. It's been an hour. I probably could talk for another two hours, but I've got some work to do, and I also don't want to just keep rambling. I know I rambled a lot. So if you made it to the end of the episode, thank you so, so, so much. Please check out EmpireJerky.com and use code SHINE for some amazing tender beef jerky. 
please come check me out on Twitch, Booty Banjo. I love having fun over there. A few of the guys, Matt Wilkes, uh, Brandon Cotton, a few of the Twitter guys have come over and hung out on Twitch. I know Twitch isn't for everyone. You might think, oh, he's just playing video games. It's not. You guys can come and literally talk to me in live time. We can do all types of funny shit. I have a blast over there. Um, and it's awesome. So again, I just want to thank everyone for their support so much. I appreciate everyone so much. You guys, uh, you guys have really inspired me to really push myself to do more and more and more. And it's because of you. And I thank you guys. I started this podcast just after uh, all the grand X stuff happening, trying to still have some type of content, uh, avenue to still create content and now it's turning into so much more. And I'm not done. I want to make it be even bigger. I want to help more. Excuse me. I want to help more and more and more and more people. That's what I want to do. So uh, thank you guys. Seriously. Thank you guys so much from the bottom of my heart for all your support. Thank you for listening to me ramble and ramble and ramble. I hope that this podcast sounded better quality wise. I hope that it's a lot better as far as direction and content. Um, if you've been here since the first episode, thank you uh, so much. If you're new, welcome, and let's keep going. You guys can catch me on Twitter, at Delph underscore 13. For me, my tweets, if you want to keep up with the Mountain Man podcast, it's on Instagram and Twitter, at Mountain Man Pod. Um, and then Shenandoah Shine is at Shenandoah Shine on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Check out our YouTube channel. We're going to be posting more and more there now that we're in hunting season. I got us a little intro made. It's really cool. Um, and it's really exciting. But other than that, I appreciate everyone so much. If you have any suggestions, anything you want to say, you know where to find me. But other than that, I'll holler at y'all later. <laughs>